Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode. I'm so glad you're here today. So, so glad you're here today. And I'm also thankful for for all of you and the fact that you are tuning in each week, you are listening to these episodes, and you're sharing them with others. I Seriously, I have the biggest smile on my face right now. I'm just so humbled by this experience. It's definitely scary at times, throwing yourself out there, knowing that people are going to judge your work, people are going to judge you. Um, You know, there's moments where I'm vulnerable, there's moments where I ramble a lot, I give you a lot of reasons to judge me. Um, But I show up scared anyway, because I know that somebody is going to be benefiting from this information, whether, you know, there's confusion about a nutrition topic and I can provide some clarity or I can offer an alternative way of thinking about nutrition or food or your body. So I know that it's helpful because you guys are, are tuning in, you're sharing. The podcast has seen a lot of growth over the past couple weeks. And so I just wanted to take that moment and acknowledge all of you and just let you know how thankful I am Uh, for all of you for showing up and supporting this project. Um, I often get a question, you know, when are you going to write your second book? And the answer is always the same. I'm not. (laughs) I'm not writing another book. This is my second book. I'm doing it through audio and through this podcast. Um, Writing the first book was definitely a daunting task that you know, there were a lot of tears. And so this is an easier way for me to share stories, to share nutrition wisdom, um, and be helpful. So um, no second book. If you want a second book, just keep listening to these episodes and keep sharing them because uh, they're helping people. And that has always been the underlying mission and vision of this podcast. So today we're going to talk about this topic, is your busy schedule ruining your weight loss goals? And let's face it, we're all busy, right? You see somebody you know at the grocery store and you're like, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? Busy. I saw my old neighbor at Target today, somebody I haven't seen in years. And she's like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, busy. I didn't even want to use that word. It just came out. Um, But now I think I say busy before I would even say, oh, we're doing great. How about you? It's just natural to be busy. And let's be very clear. All of this busyness is chaos that I have created on my own. Like I could have easily not signed my kids up to do activities. And I could have easily said no to that volunteer experience or that other work Uh, project that I created. That's the thing that, you know, baffles me sometimes. I'm overwhelmed by all these things, but I'm the one that created all these things. It's my doing. And then I'm busy and then I have to figure it all out. 
right? You know, <laughs> now good thing is I love to plan and I love a good paper calendar. I know some of you guys are very technologically savvy. You are much, much smarter than I am when it comes to creating a calendar on your phone and being able to look at that and see what's going on. I just, that's not how my brain works. I like to see all of it on paper. I like to look at my month. I like to look at my week. I like to look at my day, even sometimes, sometimes down to the hour, depending on what day it is. And I love planning everything out. Sometimes I grab different color pens and really it's just my method of controlling the chaos. It makes me feel like, all right, there's a lot going on, but I can figure it all out and I can use colored pens to do that, <laughs> right? Maybe you guys use colored pens too, but you know, all of it is to try to manage the chaos that I personally have created. You know, I, I have a friend who has been in and out of the hospital lately, and sometimes I think about her life, and, and I obviously would never wish for her health issues and, you know, all the stress that she's facing, you know, her and her family. But I think of her and I think, you know, wow, she she's not running around, making herself ragged, trying to figure everything out. Like she's just trying to feel better. And she's just staying in the moment, doing what needs to be done to get through another day, to get her through herself through the day, to get her family through the day. And she's not doing anything probably above and beyond that. And that, that just sounds wonderful right? Like you think busyness, chaos, stress, like that's the opposite of, of peace and being present and being there for people and showing up for yourself. I wish they weren't on both sets of extremes because I, I long for, for the quietness, stillness and patience and the present moments, but yet I'm always adding more things to my plate and creating more chaos. So it's, it's, I'm doing the opposite of what, what I want to do. You know, in fact, it's interesting because my Bible study this past week also had a message in staying present. And so it says, when you begin a day with inadequate resources, you must concentrate your efforts on the present moment. This is where you are meant to live, in the present it is the place where Jesus will always await you. I mean, how much more do, how much louder of a message do I need? I mean, I, I don't think I can be hit over the head any, any more so than by this message. Like if Jesus meets me in the present, then I need to be in the present. If I want to be the person I want to be and create the impact that I want to and use the gifts that God has given me, I need to do it in the present where Jesus is there to help me. Not in the future, not by my own calendar creation, not trying to manage the chaos and the stress of it all. If I'm going to take care of myself and take care of others well, I need to, to slow down and maybe rethink all of this busyness. 
you know, for a lot of us, we have very specific health goals, right? We might want to lose weight or improve our cholesterol or get rid of our stomach issues. And to do that well, we can't have a ton of of distractions. But yet we're drawn to the distractions because we're trying to keep up with everyone else. It's hard. That's basically what I'm saying. It's hard. And I have not done a great job at figuring it out myself. I want the peace, but I'm drawn to the distraction. And I know that a lot of you guys struggle with that as well. And so we're going to talk about ways that we can weave in staying present with food into those chaotic schedules and hopefully create some really good habits. So when we're in a place where we can start to slow down and intentionally put less on our plate, we've we're already rooted in good mindfulness practices. So that's what we're talking about today. How can we stay present with food so we can reach our goals? Well, one of the first things we can ask ourselves is, what do I want in this moment? So a lot of times, food is an afterthought. For a lot of time, for a lot of us, I should say, you know, we eat mindlessly. We eat in front of the TV. We grab a handful of tortilla chips because maybe somebody else in our family had the bag open and we're walking through the room and we just grab a handful. For some of us, we're eating those tortilla chips while we're cooking dinner, not even paying attention to how many we've consumed. And so a lot of us also are eating because the thought of food has popped into our head. And so we think that if food pops into our head, like, oh, I could use some chips or, oh, I could use some chocolate, that must mean we're hungry. Just because you thought about food does not necessarily mean you are hungry. Our body will give us cues when we are physically hungry. Did you know that? Like when you are physically hungry, it's a direct result of your blood sugar dropping. And your body will give you very specific cues. It'll give you a set of early cues to kind of put eating on your radar. And then it'll give you a set of late cues that have an intensity and urgency behind them. Basically saying, if you do not grab food right now, you're going to rip someone's heads off. All right, you feel me here? So we got our early cues that our body gives us to put eating on our radar. That's when we want to actually eat or get ready to eat within the next couple minutes. We don't want to wait for those late cues because it's very hard to choose healthy foods. It's very hard to eat in the right proportions and it's very hard to manage our eating speed. When our blood sugar has dropped very low, it's hard to control what we eat, how much we eat, how fast we eat because of that intensity. We're trying to make those intense symptoms go away as quickly as possible. Like for me, when I wait too long to eat, I get nauseous. I hate feeling nauseous. I feel like it's the worst feeling in the world. And so I want to get rid of that nauseous feeling as quickly as possible. Well, when I want to get rid of the nausea, I'm going to reach for whatever's quick and convenient and I'm going to shove it down my face as fast as possible to make that nausea go away. And a lot of times in doing that, I would overeat. Um, 
to the point where on the other end of it, I would feel stuffed and sick and, you know, not feeling good the other end either. All right. So your body will tell you when it's hungry. Your body will also tell you when it's full. Right? There's four different levels of fullness. There's satisfied, there's full, there's stuffed, and there's sick. A lot of us know the latter two, but we've never really been introduced to the first two because we've always been used to eating to the point of stuffed or sick. Right? So our body is equipped to give us cues to tell us when we're physically hungry and to tell us when we're physically full. Our body also gives us cues when we're overwhelmed and when we're stressed and when we're sad and when we're lonely and when we're sick. But for a lot of us, we're so distracted by all of the things on our to-do list that we're not paying attention to what our body needs in the moment. So a lot of times we will think of food And rather than asking ourselves, what do I I want in this moment or what do I need in this moment, we just grab food on autopilot, right? We just grab things because I just want to, I want to make this feeling go away and I don't want to have to think about it. Uh, For some of you guys, if you've been dieting for a long time, the physical act of hunger evokes fear, Because you're trying everything in your power to not think about food and to not eat because eating is calories. And so you've gotten really good at pushing that feeling of hunger away so much that your body doesn't even really give you the signal anymore. Because it figures, why bother? You're not going to honor it anyway. And so part of my job as as a dietitian in this role with outpatient nutrition is to teach people and to reintroduce their bodies to themselves by paying attention, by being present, by being mindful. One of the best ways to do that is to do a body scan. You know, if you are feeling hungry, where do you feel that hunger? Are you feeling it in your stomach? Are you feeling it in your mouth? Are you feeling it in your head? Are you feeling it in your throat, in your chest? Where do you physically feel sensations? Like we need to stop just grabbing things on autopilot and before eating anything, start to ask ourselves, where do we even feel this hunger? Am I even hungry? Rather than just grabbing it because the thought popped into your head. Or ignoring it when it does pop into your head because you're trying to not eat as much. That is just as damaging as, as overeating. All right. The reason why I think people struggle to get in touch with themselves and to start listening to their body and how it communicates to them is because a lot of people are trying to get away from their own bodies because they don't like them. They want a new body. I don't like the body I'm in. I talk bad about it. I talk down on it all the time. I make fun of it. I am shamed by it. I don't want this body. I want a different one. And so when I'm trying to introduce people's bodies to themselves again, I think there's a level of resentment. And here's the deal. You can't get a new body until you get to know the one that you already have. 
and appreciate it. Like you have to earn that right. You don't just get a new body because you paid a ridiculous amount of money for some trainer or from some diet plan that doesn't work on who you are as a person, the mindset piece, all of, all of that good stuff, right? You have to first learn to appreciate the body you have before you get to trade it in for a different model and to appreciate it with gratitude and to learn how this body communicates to you is one of the best gifts and tools that I can teach you. We have to learn how to appreciate our bodies. And that comes from, that comes from a place, not from body bashing, not from negativity, but from body acceptance. You have to accept what you have if you want to get to a place where you can appreciate and then treat your body with kindness. And in that process usually is where change can take place. But it can't happen from a place of loathing your body, wishing parts away, hating it. Now I realize that going from body hate to body love is a big giant step. And I promise you there's a bunch of steps along the way. We're not going to get into that today. But I just want to I just want to stress how important it is that you get to know the body you have and get to appreciate the body you have if you want to make changes to it. Appreciating your body doesn't come from the changes. It comes before the changes. All right. So just want to make sure I'm very clear with that. Okay. So today I want to give you three ways That you can stay more present, learn how to listen to your body, how to be more mindful so that you can make better choices, and to help minimize the distractions so you can do this well. Honestly, you don't ever have to count another calorie. You never have to count a macro again in your life if you learn how to do these simple tasks of learning how to identify how your body communicates to you and then honor how your body communicates to you. All right. So the first step is, again, before you eat, you ask yourself, am I truly hungry? Where do you feel the sensation of hunger? Do a body scan, right? Start at the top of your head and move your way down your body. If you want to go eat something, where do you feel the physical hunger? Is it in your stomach? Do you hear it growl? Do you feel a nauseous pit? Do you feel a hollow feeling? Do you feel it in your head? Are you lightheaded? Are you dizzy? Do you have trouble concentrating? Are you irritable? Do you have a headache? Right? These are all physical signs of low blood sugar and therefore physical hunger signs. These are signs you can trust to know that your body is actually hungry and it's your job to feed it, to honor that. But for a lot of us, we are not doing that check-in before we eat, but we need to. 
because there's a lot of other competing things going on in and around your torso and your mouth that may trick you into thinking you're hungry, but it's actually something else. So number one, are you feeling a sensation in your throat and your mouth? Because honestly, that could just be thirst. Remember, your thirst mechanism is weak. And so a lot of times we will mistake hunger and thirst. They feel very similar. If you are dehydrated because you don't drink enough water, those cues will always be confusing. If you are properly hydrated, it will be very, very easy to discern hunger from thirst. So I don't know about you. I like to make things easier on myself. I don't want to be confused. So I really do aim to try to drink half my body weight in ounces. So again, if you weigh 200 pounds, that's 100 ounces of water a day. That is what we strive and we aim for. Okay, so we want to make sure we're drinking water so that we do not confuse hunger and thirst. And I find from my clients, and they always attest to it, it's interesting, the more water I drink, the thirstier I am. And I'm always nodding my head like, yes, that is what happens. Because it's very easy to tell thirst from hunger. And so you feel like you're thirstier because you're not eating when really what your body was trying to tell you was thirst. You get better at identifying it so it feels like you're drinking more because you finally see the difference. So before you eat something, ask yourself, where do I feel the uncomfortable sensation? If it's in your mouth and your throat, could you possibly be thirsty? And try that first. Listen, if you're hungry, a glass of water isn't going to cut it. So don't worry that you're going to mess things up. <laughs> that hunger signal will come back if it's a true hunger. Okay, so question number one is if you feel it in your mouth, could it just be thirst? If you feel it in the upper part of your throat, could it just be thirst? Try it first. What's the worst that can happen? All right. The other place that you could be feeling hunger is in the lower part of your throat and your chest. And in this case, this is not hunger either. This is usually some uncomfortable emotion that needs to be dealt with or that needs to escape. A lot of times we can describe that uncomfortable feeling as a rattling in your chest for me, it's more of like a restlessness, like a creepy crawly that needs to come out. And I always feel it like in my windpipe and my chest. When I'm stressed, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm anxious, when I'm bored, it feels like a restlessness in the upper part of my chest and my throat. And so when I ask myself, am I hungry? When the thought of food pops into my head, I'm always looking to see is the sensation in the upper part of my chest and neck or is it in the lower part where my stomach sits? So we need to be present and mindful before we eat so we can make sure we're taking the appropriate action. I know a lot of you are stress eaters. I know a lot of you self-identify as emotional eaters. So before we go ahead and eat a whole bunch of things, realizing, you know, we're trying to manage an uncomfortable emotion, 
why not first try to identify if it's an emotional need or a hunger need and then appropriately address those needs. But we can't do that well if we're always distracted. Okay, so that's step number one. Identify where you feel the sensation before you eat anything. All right, now the second step in staying present with food is actually in the eating process. All right, so a couple of things that we always make sure we're doing when we're eating. Number one is we always make sure we're sitting down. Sitting down speaks intention that what I'm doing right now is important and what I'm doing right now is my choice. When you grab a handful of chips as you walk from the kitchen to the living room, you're not paying attention to what you're doing. You're multitasking. And let's be honest, none of us are good at multitasking. All right. We're getting a job done, but we're not actually doing what we want to do in terms of our health goals. All right. So when you eat anything, just sit down. It will give you a clue very quickly as to whether or not what you're doing is actually what you want to do, or if it's just a mindless habit that you have picked up somewhere along the way. So make sure in order to be present and to be focused, always make sure you're sitting down to eat, right? No more standing at the kitchen sink, no more standing at the counter, no more standing at a picnic or party grazing over the pretzel bowl. Anytime you eat anything, try to be in a seated position at the table. All right. It's just that step in mindfulness that tells your brain, like, this is what I want to do. And I will not be distracted by other things. Speaking of distractions, let's talk about screens. How many of you are eating any of your meals or snacks in front of a screen? And guys, I have my hand raised too. As much as I know better, there are times when, you know, it's just easier to catch up on emails or catch up on social media or play Wordle during the morning when I'm eating breakfast, right? And I I tell myself, it's not a big deal. I'm just getting another thing done while I'm eating. I'm being efficient with my time. But what I'm not doing is being present and mindful to the eating process. And when you are not present and when you are not mindful, your risk of overeating increases 100 fold. I don't know if that's really a stat, but that's what it feels like anyway. Right? Are you eating distracted? Are you eating with a screen in front of your face, whether it's your computer, whether it's a TV? You know, I had a client this week who was telling me how Um, She just really likes eating ice cream at night with her husband when they watch their favorite shows together. And so I was trying to get to, like, what about that moment with your husband is special? Is it the fact that you guys are by yourself because your kids are in bed? Is it the fact that you're watching a show together? You're spending time together? You know, is it about the food? You know, is that your favorite part? And she's like, no, that's not my favorite part. It's just a habit that we've gotten ourselves into. And so really dialing into what part of the the evening is your favorite part and going with the most important parts, right? Which is the spending time together. You know, again, we start to put these 
these associations together, watching TV and eating, and they seem so harmless until they become habits that, you know, have left us 20 pounds overweight or with high blood sugar because we're eating a bunch of ice cream before bed. So I want to make sure that when you're eating, we just set yourself up for success so that you can hone in on those cues and those signals and those communication methods that your body gives you so you can pay attention and do the things you want to do, all right? We all have these great goals first thing in the morning. It's the problem is at 8 o'clock at night, we're too exhausted and we don't want to do the goals anymore. We want boundaries, but we don't want boundaries, that's the biggest paradox. So all I want you to do is just pay attention to what do you actually need in the moment and honor it. Keep it really, really simple. You know, another way that you can stay present is by not rushing through your meal, slowing down your pace, putting your fork down in between bites, actually tasting your food. How many of you can say that you taste your food when you eat it? Or are you just shoving it in to get the job done? Uh, I think I may have shared this with you. Uh, a while back, I decided, you know, I just want to be able to have a piece of chocolate after dinner. And so I went to the store and I bought like the Dove milk chocolate. I know I'm supposed to be the person to like dark chocolate, but I just prefer milk chocolate more. And so I bought a bag of Dove milk chocolate at the grocery store. Never, ever, ever buy candy or desserts at Costco because you will have large, large bags of them. Just get a small bag at the grocery store. And anyway, I got this bag of chocolate and I decided I'm going to enjoy a piece of chocolate at the end of the night. Um, I don't feel like there's any good foods or bad foods. I think all foods can be part of a great diet. And I really worked hard to be in a place where I can say that and I don't see foods as the enemy or as a, um, a reward or a punishment or any of that. Um, I think that's a really healthy place to be. And so I had this idea one day that, you know, what, I'm going to have a piece of chocolate at night if I want it, but I'm going to make some boundaries around it. I'm not going to eat it in a room where there's any other people. And I'm going to taste the entire piece of chocolate from the time it enters my mouth to the time it leaves my mouth. And I'm going to do that by sucking on it, not chewing it. And so after dinner the one night, I grabbed my piece of chocolate and I headed to the laundry room because nobody's following me there. And I sat on the floor in front of the dryer unwrapped that dove chocolate I looked at my nice little message that it gave me right and then I stuck that chocolate in my mouth and I enjoyed every ounce every second every flavor that that piece of chocolate had to provide and I closed my eyes the entire time and I just paid attention to the way it felt as it melted over my tongue the way it felt when I would swallow some of that melted chocolate. And I literally enjoyed that experience to its fullest. And I thought about it. I'm like, wow, what if I did that with all foods that I ate? What if I actually just paid attention to the flavors and 
the nuances and the seasonings and the textures? What if I did all of that every bite? Wouldn't I enjoy my meals more? Not only would I enjoy them more, but I probably would be satisfied with less. Not because I was trying to restrict my calories, but just because um, I would be able to identify those fullness cues a lot easier when I was in the moment and not so distracted with something that was coming up next that I had to make sure I I shoved food in my mouth because I had to get out the door to take somebody someplace. Like imagine being present with your food every single bite. Doesn't that sound amazing? Right? I think for so many people, we think of dieting as punishment and we're not able to enjoy our foods. We have to eat only things that taste like rice cakes if we're ever going to be successful. That could be further from the truth. Like we have to start figuring out how to coexist with foods, enjoying all sorts of foods, and eating them in moderation. Remember that variety, moderation, um, balance. That is what true nutrition is. And if you're still restricting foods because you're putting them on the good and bad list and the fact that you're creating a list at all or creating a, you know, what you can do and can't do. And if you eat this, then you have to negate it with this. Like we're always going to run into this problem of yo-yo dieting because it creates an all or nothing mindset. And we know that does not work. So all I want you to do is check in with yourself before you eat. Where do you feel the sensation? Is it truly hunger? And if it's hunger, great. I want you to eat, but I want you to enjoy your food. I want you to taste it without distractions. I want you to sit down and actually be able to rest your body and take care of it versus shoving things in your mouth while you're standing up doing a million other things. I want you to have that moment. You are entitled to that moment. You, that, that right is given to you as a human being. I know it's not maybe feasible every single time, but as much as possible, do try to be present when you're eating. Enjoy the experience because I promise you, if you enjoy that experience, you'll be able to move on. We can't forget that Satisfaction has two different parts, physical satisfaction, like the actual filling up of your stomach, but also emotional satisfaction. And when one of them is lacking, we're always going to overeat and go after more food. So I want you to think about how can you get both? When I sat on that floor and ate that piece of chocolate and derived all the emotional satisfaction that I could from that moment, I was able to stand up and move on with the rest of my night. I had that moment, I enjoyed it, and I moved on versus popping it in my mouth real quick, shoving it down before anybody saw I was eating it because I didn't want to share it, and then going back to the pantry time and time again throughout the night, stealing another piece, another piece, another piece. Just try it. Hide. (laughs) Hide from your people. Hide in a place where you can just enjoy your food. (laughs) I know that's not possible for everybody, especially if you got small kids, but I promise you just try it once and see 
how the experience differs from the ones you've had in the past. All right, I got to give you a third, a third part of uh, your third tip as we go through this. So first, we're going to figure out where we feel the sensation. Two, we're going to be present when we eat by making sure we're sitting down, we're slowing down our pace, savoring our food without distractions, no screens. And then the third thing we need to do is reinforce the positive behaviors. So when you do these things, when you take the time to acknowledge where you're feeling the sensation, when you take the time to slow down your eating pace, you need to reinforce that habit. And how we reinforce habits is we celebrate them. We do. We celebrate them. We get excited. You know, maybe we create a victory log, right? Create a victory log where it's just a notebook that sits by your bed. And at the end of the day, you can write down all of the great things you've done. Imagine if you came up with a list of all the positive things you've done instead of that running list in your head where you put yourself down for all the things you didn't accomplish. Well, I didn't do that today. Didn't do that. Didn't get to that either. See if I can do it tomorrow. Probably not because I got all this, this, and this to do. Right? We're so good at devaluing ourselves and depreciating ourselves with all the things we didn't accomplish. What if we gave that same amount of effort, an equal amount of effort to acknowledging all the really great things we did? That's what creates momentum. That's what creates motivation to show up and do the right things the next day. That's it. All right. So you can't do all these great things and then not acknowledge all the great things. Celebrate them. Do a victory lap. High five your cat. I don't care. Just celebrate them in some ways so you can tell your brain, this was a good choice. Let's do it again. And if you have no one to share your victories with, then you reach out to me and I will celebrate with you. Send me an email, call my office, visit me if you know where I live. I don't care. If you are having successes, I want to hear about it so I can celebrate with you. All right. Okay, we did it. We did it. We, we learned all the tips and we're going to go out there and we're going to kill it. And we're going to work on being more present so that we can achieve our goals. All right, guys, I need to give you your recipe. This is actually one I saw on Instagram. Uh, one of the dietitians I follow, she posts this frequently. And then I saw a variation of the same recipe in our meal planning software. So I figured if I'm seeing it multiple places, it must be a good one. And it's so simple. They're actually um, a play off of zucchini boats. So if you take a zucchini and you cut it lengthwise in half and then cut it in half again. So you basically have four quarters. You're not going to hollow them out. You're just going to uh, put them on a baking sheet uh, with the cut side facing up. And then on top of the zucchini quarter, you're going to um, put a slice of ham fold it in half on top, and then a piece of cheddar cheese. And then you're going to put that under the broiler for about three minutes or so, two to three minutes until that cheese gets nice and brown and bubbly. And um, you can have that as a great healthy snack. 
Uh, I also saw a zucchini ham cheese flatbread variation. So just putting all the ingredients, you'll have to slice up the zucchini, of course, and dice up the ham and sprinkled uh, cheddar cheese. But you can put that on a whole wheat flatbread or a naan bread and put that in the oven and eat it uh, with maybe as a meal in addition to a salad or as part of a lunch. Uh, But you have a couple options with that. So All right, guys, that's what I have for you today. As always, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much, and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrian Delgado and I'll see you next week.